Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans. Welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee and she is Tam. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 Tam. What's up with you, Renee? Oh, you know, just another another uh, crazy weekend filled with uh, up and down events. And uh, <laughs> let's just get into the weekend. How, how was your weekend? Well, you didn't tell me how yours was other than up and down. So that's it. I wanted to hear yours first because uh, mine's going to be a little bit different. And, I, and you'll, you'll understand why once I tell you. But go ahead. Okay, so my weekend was pretty chill. I didn't do much on Sunday. Um, a good friend of mine, her husband is an incredible DJ, and they played a little spot. Uh, it was actually a photo studio that they kind of turned into a daytime club, which was pretty wild. But it was in Chinatown in Los Angeles, which is downtown. It was fantastic. I mean, it wasn't a lot of people there, but the grooves, the music just picked you up and took you someplace. Aside from that, Saturday, I don't recall what I did, but on Sunday after the race, I did that and I kind of actually caught up on some work. That was pretty much that. So I guess now the pressure's on. Renee, what did you do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely sounds like you had a productive weekend, uh, at least that's for sure. My weekend was actually really good and, uh, and really bad, and I'll explain why. I did shows practically all weekend starting from Thursday on. And um, Thursday had a show up north at this uh, camping resort up in Big Sur. And if you've heard of it, and if you know what it is, you'll know it's absolutely gorgeous up there. If you've never heard of it, or if you've never been there, I totally recommend it. Tam, this is this place is just a, a place for all getaways. It's got a great scenery going up there and going back. And the camping resort is just phenomenal. They have cabins, basically, that you can rent out. So it's not necessarily where you're just you know, you got a tent and a sleeping bag. It, you know, they do have cabins out there, but they also have tents that you can rent out uh, where you're more feeling like camping. Anyway, so that turned out to be a really nice gig. Came back, did another outdoor gig out in Hesperia on Saturday. And I did a show on Sunday night as well here in town at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. But with all of that set aside, I want to give a shout out. And I want to, at the end, dedicate this particular podcast to my good friend who I lost on Friday. Uh, he's a very well-known comedian. His name is Ralphie May, and he unfortunately passed away on Friday. And the reason why I say that is because me and Ralphie were literally, genuinely good good friends. We both started in Houston, Texas together, and I knew his wife just as, lo just as long as I had known him. Uh, his wife even started doing comedy back in Houston. She took my very first headshots, had a little studio set up in her apartment. And uh, she did headshots out of there for, for, you know, for the local comedians. And I, uh, my heart goes out to her and the children. And uh, I, I can imagine what they're going through right now. But uh, uh, what a great guy this was, Tim. And I'm going to be honest with you. When you met Ralphie, you immediately liked the guy. He was just funny. He was just charismatic. And he had a nice energy about him. Let's be honest. He probably wasn't the healthiest guy in the world. But you know what? That doesn't matter. The fact that he was just a, just a wonderful guy and a great friend. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away. He was only 45 years old. You know, I'm going to miss him dearly. So other than that, you know, like I said, it was good and bad, but it's a lot better than it was that particular day. Renee, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm sure everyone out there listening, because it actually got a lot of media coverage. It was on TMZ. 
and all the outlets. I vaguely remember Ralphie. I feel like maybe in the 90s he hit, or maybe in 2000 he hit some kind of notoriety. Yeah, that's when uh, he got the uh, last comic standing. I briefly remember a little bit about him, but very, very sorry for your loss. I mean, it's just a trying time. It seems like every day there's something going on. Yeah, it really does. And sometimes it's overwhelming, especially when it affects you personally. I can only imagine. But you know what? Like I said, uh, other than that, Tam, I had a really very nice and productive weekend. And I was able to uh, watch a little bit of the race on Sunday. We're not even going to talk about the Cowboys because uh, we don't need to talk about the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the Cowboys. (laughs) You know, I don't want to talk about politics, but I do want to ask you as a diehard Cowboy fan about your boy Jerry Jones. Like he pretty much came out and did the same thing that Richard Petty and Richard Childress did, talking about some NASCAR, that is, in regards to the anthem protest. I was a little disappointed in Jerry, only because I just kind of feel like I get both sides of it, but you can't, these are grown ass men. You can't tell people what to believe in and how to voice or protest something that you don't believe in. That's all that I'm saying. You know, I know many of you guys think it's a disrespect of the flag. Yeah, it's your opinion. We all have opinions. People should be entitled to do what they want to do unless, you know, as long as they're not disrespecting. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. So what do you think as a cowboy fan, as a Jerry Jones guy, you think that he needs to leave the politics out of football and let these players be or? Do you believe because he's the owner, he has a right to do what he wants? Well, I will say this. He does have the right to say what he wants because he is the owner. It's his money. He's the one that's invested in this. On the other hand of that, on the flip side, I think that he should at least be able to let his players do what they feel and try to keep the politics out of it. Only because the NFL is already going through a a weird transition of politics and football because of all of this uh, disrespecting the flag and and the national anthem. I think he should let his players have the freedom of speech and express it in however they feel like they want to, as long as it's within good taste, I'm going to say. That's subjective because then it becomes a thing where most people feel like the flag and kneeling in protest to how another group of people feel is disrespectful to our military in the United States. Right. So and that, and, that, and I can a understand. ball of wax, no matter how you look at it. And then today, we briefly talked about this on text message, but Jamil Hill from ESPN was suspended for two weeks because she basically stood up and said, and this is all Twitter, it always amuses me inside when I think like, wow, she got suspended for two weeks over Twitter. Like, this is 2017, soon to be 2018. People are getting suspended because of stuff that they said on Twitter. But nonetheless, she got suspended for two weeks because she, let's just keep it short, she disagreed with how Jerry was handling things and somewhat advised the players to hit it where it hurts, which is in the pocketbooks by, you know, doing whatever to rattle the advertisers and that kind right. of stuff. Right. Yeah. 
I just have the feeling neither one of us want to talk about this because we just want to talk about some NASCAR, but we have to talk about what's going on in the world today. It's hard to avoid and sometimes you just can't avoid it because I think it, it sometimes it just needs to be addressed. And, um, you know, I know sometimes it, it can seem like we're beating a dead horse, but you're right. I think it, it's our job uh, to at least acknowledge what's going on and give, uh, and give an opinion. Okay, so it's safe to say we're going to leave it there? Yeah, let's just leave it at that. Okay. And I'm okay with moving on. So let's move on to the rundown of the show. Today, we are going to be talking about everything that happened in Charlotte at the race and everything that happened since the last time we talked on the podcast. In advance, I want to apologize to you guys. We've been a little late with posting the podcast, but we have a life. So other things are going on, some other priorities. Not that you aren't a priority as our listeners, but we've just been a little bit late. So this week, we are going to try our best to get the show posted a couple of days earlier. So that way you have a week to enjoy the show and the news is not that terribly old. Without further ado, we're going to talk about Charlotte, as I just said, and we're going to jump into pretty much everything that happened in Charlotte from Kyle Bush's heat stroke to Kurt Bush crash and coming up to Kyle Larson afterwards, Chase Elliott. There's been so much controversy and so much back and forth talk, whether it's on a NASCAR Reddit board or on Twitter about Jimmy Johnson and what NASCAR did or did not do in regards to his pit. Martin Truex win was very emotional. We'll talk about why. And we're going to jump into some talk about, I don't know, I think we should mention Ryan Newman who didn't finish the race. I just, it's a few little tidbits I want to say about that. And from there, we'll jump into some hot topics that are happening in NASCAR as well as our fan comment of the week. And we'll wrap the show with some predictions. I think it'll be a pretty easy show. What do you think? I think so too, because that sounds right straight to the point. It sounds like a lot to cover, but it's going to be really quick. Okay, so really quick, as we say every week, before we start talking about anything else, let's break down Charlotte in the top 10, and that'll put everything else in perspective. Martin Truex Jr. came home with the W. Chase Elliott was in second place. Kevin Harvick, who won two stages, stages one and two, he didn't win the stage that counted, which was the last stage. And he came in third. Denny Hamlin, fourth. Jamie McMurray, fifth. Daniel Suarez, sixth. Jimmy Johnson, seventh. Ryan Newman, eighth. Casey Kane, ninth. And Kyle Larson rounded out the top 10. Not going to talk too much about notables because I want to talk about playoff drivers because after all, it's all about the playoffs, baby. In regards to our playoff drivers, we had eight. Of those guys who all came in, you know, top 10, which they very well should have. But there were, let's see, four drivers who are still contending for the championship that did not come in the top 10, obviously. One being my man, Matt Kenseth, my quiet assassin. He didn't crack the top 10, but he definitely still kind of sort of was there. He came in 11th place. Stenthouse Jr., 13th place. 
And the fact that Stenhouse Jr. is still alive in the playoffs is mind-boggling to me. But more power to him. Brad Keselowski came in 15th. And Kyle Busch, he came in 29th place. And we'll talk about why. He, it just wasn't his day. And regards to what's going on with the playoffs, if the playoffs started today, Matt Kenseth, Brad Keselowski, and Ryan Blaney, as well as Ricky Stenhouse Jr. would be out. And just retracting, I don't know, or rewinding, I guess is a better word. When I read off the race results, I just want to make sure I said Ryan Blaney is in eighth. I came in eighth at Charlotte and not Ryan Newman. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. I, I just want to say that because the Ryans is just like the cows. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Although they're totally Ryan Blaney has the F1 look versus Ryan Newman has the WWE look. I can't say tight neck because it's more like tight shoulders that make his neck disappear. But <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Okay, so that's what's going on with the race results as well as where our playoff drivers are. Now, let's jump into the nitty-gritty and talk about all the takeaways and all that happened during the race. First thing first, Bush, as in Kyle Bush, I want to just, just nickname him Can't Get Right. Because no matter <laughs> what he did during the race at Charlotte, he just couldn't get it right. I mean, he crashed, hit the wall. It was so much going on. But I'll tell you one thing, whether you like Kyle Bush or don't, he hung in there. Yeah, and and don't forget, in addition to all that other stuff he did, he also passed out practically after the race. Well, when you think about it, he went down. He was two laps down, if I'm not mistaken, but he was still hanging in there. And what was very interesting, and I'm sure the fans at home noticed it and was trying to figure it out, but Kyle Busch actually... He kind of beat the five-minute clock because now this year, if you go into pit road, you only have five minutes to fix whatever needs to be fixed. And if you can't fix it, you got to hit the garage. Kyle Busch's team was able to repair his car long enough where he could hit the track again and then come back to pit road. So he beat the five-minute clock by going back out and one little kind of rule about this this whole thing is even if you go back out you have to maintain minimum speed so he was able to maintain a minimum speed and then go back in and get more repairs so I just thought that was an interesting thing because that was if I'm not mistaken probably one of the first time this five minute rule was really put to the test yeah and I guess we can talk about Kurt Busch I feel like Kurt Bush matured. I always said, you know what? Yeah. And I'm going to agree with you on that, Tim. Yeah. He's not the Kurt Bush that we came to love to hate. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if that's the proper thing because I feel like nobody loves his brother. It's all hate. But we all know Kyle just, you know, Kyle, he lives for those boos. I I think if nobody booed him, I think it would make him sad. Kurt Busch definitely was sad about accidentally getting into Kyle Larson. And so much so during Kyle's interview at the end of the race, he came up and interrupted him live on TV and apologized. And at that moment, it was like, that's not the Kurt Busch that I know. He's become, I don't want to say weak because that's not the 
word. He's just become, oh, he's just matured. That's the only way you can say it. Yeah. And it, it sounds crazy because it's, you're talking about the word maturity with a, a grown man, but it's a maturity, I think, of knowing where he is in the race and just, just got caught up into feeling really good at one point and just decided, hey, you know what? this And you know what? He probably meant it. Everything he said, I'm sure he meant it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have apologized. You well, know? Kudos to him. He, he pulled yeah. a cousin Carl and went and apologized. Okay. Yeah. On the theme of maturing, your boy Chase Elliott. I don't know if it's a maturity issue that's preventing him from crossing the finish line in first place, but... Chase Elliott, he's second again. What's up with your dude? He's my dude too. And I know we were talking a little bit about this before that we started recording, but I'm going to reiterate what I said earlier. And I don't know, like, legitimately, like, what the deal is. But you know what I see more than anything is kind of what we saw in Kyle Larson not too long ago before he started winning. Remember, he was coming in second all, a, a lot. He was coming second all the time. He was always second, second, second. And we were calling him Mr. Mr. Runner Up, Mr. Number Two. <laughs> and then he got that first win, and then he was just, then he was okay. Then he started rattling off wins. I'm hoping that that is what's going to happen with Chase Elliott. I'm hoping that all these number twos are eventually going to turn into number ones. And how special would it be to actually do it during the playoffs? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But hopefully, he can get out of that second place funk and finally win something. Well, speaking of a funk, NASCAR did Jimmy Johnson a favor after all his drama on pit road, but it made a lot of fans angry. In fact, we got a tweet from one person that just point blank said that she felt that NASCAR was making, and she used the emoji for the word S-H-I-T, up. <laughs> oh, the, the yeah, the little poop emoji? The little poop emoji? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy because... What seemed to be the issue was that he pitted, but there was a loose lug nut. He backed up, but he was already out the pit stall. It was a whole bunch going on. And the fans at home, including myself, was a bit confused as to what was going on and why wasn't he penalized. And apparently, there is some kind of rule that only Jimmy and his crew chief knew about where you can actually go back and fix it. And not be penalized. Yeah, because they say it's because of a safety issue is why they didn't, that they didn't want to penalize him for that. And which is understandable. But then again, it's still like you're going, but it's still a penalty. What what does that got to do with anything? Yeah, because if you finish the race with loose lug nuts, you get penalties. Yeah. Or missing lug nuts. I don't know. NASCAR said that the extra time on pit road was his penalty. And I'm going, what? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Like the commenter said, NASCAR makes poop up. I don't know. Hey, you know what? I'd have to agree with the commenter on this one. I mean, I love Jimmy Johnson. That's my dude. But you know, I, I'm gonna have to agree with the. I'm gonna have to agree with the poop emoji. What was poop to me is the fact that Sherry Pollux was not in Charlotte and she wasn't able to celebrate. With And I'm just going to call Martin Truex Jr. her husband. They've been together so long. I just hate that they're not married yet. I remember many, many, many years ago, I was in Charlotte with Toyota and me and a friend of mine who was at the race as well. 
they had arranged for us to kind of sit in the trailer and interview Sherry. And I was like, oh my God, I just, her energy is just very, very just infectious. She's, she's a nice lady. So to see her going through all this stuff is just like, wow. And to watch the emotion, the emotion, emotional roller coaster, I guess that's what I want to say, that I feel that Martin Truex is on, it's just not fair. I mean, I know life is not fair, but you looked at him in that moment where clearly like all the other drivers, he was hot and miserable when he got out the car. But the simple fact is all the drivers said that they were extremely tired and miserable and out of breath. But the fact that he couldn't really, like on one hand, he's tired and dealing with that and just depleted from the heat and all that but then you won and you want to be happy but then you know your girlfriend wife sherry is at home dealing with what she's dealing with and i think his emotions got the best of him well i know because as you can see he didn't know whether to be happy or to cry right and it's just like to have to do that in public i mean i'm sure he wasn't thinking about it but to watch it you just can't i don't care if you're a fan of the guys or not you feel something right yeah yeah, you do let's talk about ryan newman speaking of feelings ryan newman is always in his feelings i mean last week we talked about what happened between him and jeff gordon after the race right because apparently everyone was upset that ryan newman didn't let chase elliott pass but that's just how Ryan Newman races. But this week, he actually was out the race and done early. Some people say it was karma. But what I quickly discovered when I threw out a question on our Twitter account, which is turns, our user is turns, no breaks. People don't like Ryan Newman. Yeah, right. I'm shocked. Honestly, that's the one driver, I guess, that I was just oblivious to what what how people really feel about him <laughs> you know people don't like Kyle Bush, but I was right. like, how did you not like Ryan Newman people said that's what he got that it was karma they were upset and they said he's an ASS and a whole bunch of other things that I don't want to repeat because you know NASCAR fans will tell it like it is because they always mad yeah but I was upset Ryan Newman just has this personality where it's like dry humor, just really stone face, not going to really show you a lot of emotion. And I think sometimes that perceives to people as a real kind of a-hole kind of personality, if that makes any sense. So I can understand that. But, you know, one thing is for sure is that Ryan Newman's going to going to give it to you straight up. <laughs> I wow. mean, there's no slicing it nice. He, you're you're going to get raw just right out right out of his mouth. <laughs> well, I want to read a couple of comments. We posed a question on the Twitter and simply stated, Ryan Newman did not finish Sunday's race. Fans responded with a lot of negativity. Is it fair? Do you dislike Newman? Hashtag NASCAR talk. And some of the responses were, and I'll just read some of them, fans' words, not ours. Let's see. Daily NASCAR Scoop, his user is NASCAR Daily. He responds and says, it wasn't karma. Newman has a job to do. Drive the race car. I don't have a problem with him. 
there's no story here. Okay, fair enough. But then another user, JMP, and that's at Jenner Bean 677, she chimes in and says, of course it's fair. They all get their shared negativity, some more than others, some more deserved than others. Newman's a big boy. And she goes on to say, and has no problem bullying and throwing his weight around. That will get, that will not get you the kid glove treatment. Not saying he's bad or good, but you kind of get what you give. So two completely opposite answers to the question. I don't know. Yeah, it, you know, that's just kind of hard to. Uh, yeah. Like my grandfather used to say, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Front Row Kenny, he writes, no, I am neutral when it comes to Newman. He went back at Gordon. Of course, backlash was coming. So it's payback. That's what he's pretty much saying. And then Kim, user K-N-A-L-L-E-N-24, she writes and says, definitely neutral when it comes to Newman. I like he's aggressive, but I don't like his attitude. Yet, you need the attitude sometimes. Okay, well, seems like some people are neutral. Some people get it. Some people don't get it. Some people don't really care because that's what I'm I'm sensing. But I will tell you on Sunday, comment after comment was not, there, there weren't many Newman fans on Sunday. So I'll leave it at that. What else do we need to talk about? Oh, you know what? Guess what happened? Oh, let's talk about it. Jeffrey Earnhardt did not cause a caution, but your girl Danica did. Then, <laughs> it's always one or the other. It never fails. I know, right? Don't ever not think I don't know NASCAR because every week, although Talladega, I will say, because Talladega is where we're coming up next. Everybody's going to cause a wreck. It's going to be oh, You yeah. can't, can't pinpoint who's doing what. <laughs> Okay, well, that's all that I need to say about these drivers. I guess it's time for some Dale Jr. conversations. Yeah, some Dale Jr. conversation, and uh, not much, not much, not much conversation with Dale Jr. Uh, to tell you the truth, Tam. Uh, and I'm sure our listeners know this that uh, it's pretty much just a cut and dry thing right now with Dale Jr. You know, he's just making his rounds into his final races at all of these racetracks. The only notable things really is. Just a lot of things coming up for him as he does his last rounds. And so as we come up at the end of his career, Tam, he is getting inducted into the Texas Hall of Fame of Motorsports there, uh, which is not surprising. But they are going to do that for him at the uh, Texas Motor Speedway there when they uh, go and race there in Arlington. They have uh, dedicated a uh, Dale Jr. Day in Alabama for the upcoming Talladega race uh, This is that's coming up this weekend. They are going to officially mate that day dale jr day and you know what anytime that you can have a dale earnhardt jr day i don't care where it is i don't care if it's in the state of alabama or in the state of oklahoma that's awesome (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool to have a day even if you get the key to the city give me the key to the city (laughs) exactly so apparently that's what governor k ivy is doing this sunday october 15th He's uh, making it Dale Earnhardt Jr. Day in the the whole state of Alabama. So that's actually really kind of cool. Other than that, really tell you the truth, Tam, the only thing that I can tell you about what's going on uh, with Dale Jr. is uh, they're just kind of like throwing out some some videos and stuff of uh, Dale telling stories of his father and stuff like that. And if you go online, there's a uh, 
There's a video out right now where he talks about how getting fired from his father's garage because he was changing oil. And he talked about how he had left because they wanted him to be a part of the meeting, but he had to clock out. And Dale Jr. was like, if I'm going to stay for this meeting, I'm going to clock in. If not, I'm going home. And that's what he did. <laughs> the guy told him to go home. So Dale Jr. goes home and he said, I, and Dale Jr. goes, hey, I only called my old man just to, <laughs> just to tell him, hey, man, they wanted me to stay for this meeting, but they didn't want to let me clock in. So his dad told him, because this is how his dad was, he's like, look, boy, you need to go back to work. And you need to tell that guy, look, I'm either going to work or I'm going to go home. And he said he did exactly what his father told him to do. And when he went back, the guy said, I get your toolbox and you need to go home. And when he, <laughs> when he, when he got back to his father's actual garage of where, of where uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. was getting his car stuff done, he told him, he goes, hey, man, that guy, he, he told me to grab my stuff and leave. He said that his father just looked at him and said, man, I can't believe that guy really fired you. <laughs> and he said, he, and, that, and that's how he said he actually ended up racing as a NASCAR driver. Because then he started, his father put him to work and he started working for uh, his father specifically in his father's garage. He was working on these cars. That's how he just kind of started racing. And then it just kind of, he already knew, I think in his head that that's what he wanted to do. But I don't think he thought of it happening in that manner. So, uh, I mean, it was a pretty interesting story. But uh, anyway, that's, that's pretty much it that's going on with Dale Jr. Not a whole lot going on. Well, it's funny you shared that story because it makes me kind of think back. If I think his bio says something about retire, uh, retired auto, automotive service mechanic. Is it safe to say Dale wasn't telling the whole truth because... He should probably replace the word retired with fired automotive yeah. service mechanic. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I mean, that was a great story. I watch a lot of the old NASCAR stories, the history, whether it's, you know, Daytona, what happened in 2001, just all the old stuff. And I just feel like, man, I wish I was back in the day at the track. Oh, God, because I'm more old school than the new school way of things. And I think I would have absolutely had a ball. But uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. I guess at this point, I need to just move on. <laughs> NASCAR, I, you know, we haven't had, well, we've had some hot topics, but there is something going on or something seems to be brewing with NASCAR. Because vaguely, I'm sure you read the article where they said, there was something about Brian France speaking out about NASCAR controlling costs. Right. You know much about that article? I, but I, Yeah, but I don't know much about it because I didn't read a whole lot about it. Oh, well, I'm asking you if you know about it. Are you saying no? You said yes, but I didn't read much of it. Oh, I heard the story and then I was trying to read up on it, but I didn't get to read much up on it. And then because uh, I ended up getting distracted from something else and I just forgot to go back and read the rest of it. Okay. Well, he forgot, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you know, Renee is so always let getting distracted. Um, kind of bring up my recollection of what was said. Make a long story short, NASCAR is looking at controlling costs going into next year. And this, to me, is not a great sign. I don't know. Some people may interpret it different. One thing that stuck out to me was the fact that they were talking about limiting the number of engines 
that are used during a season. More importantly, they talked about only running one engine during Daytona Speed Weeks. Now, that's interesting because if you look at the other if you look at the other racing series, such as like I can talk about Formula E. One of the things that I learned this year hanging out at a couple of Formula E races is that they leave Europe with a certain amount of engines at the beginning of the season. And that's that. Those engines are used the entire season. And one thing that's interesting about Formula E is they never go back to the team shop. They're on the road once the season starts to the end. And for each race, each driver, and it's usually about two two drivers per team, they have four engines, which is two engines per driver because they have two cars because they switch cars. I don't want to get into it. If you don't understand anything about Formula E, just watch a race, Google it, <laughs> look it up. One of the ways that they control costs is that these engines leave the shop at the beginning of the season and they're transported from race to race to race by DHL. They never come back. So it's interesting to read about one of the ways NASCAR is going to start to try to control costs for 2018 is by limiting the amount of engines. And to only have one engine at Daytona Speed Weeks is pretty crazy, considering we all know how Daytona flows. Is accident after accident. And you can have an accident during practice. But yeah, I will post the article. We don't want to get all super technical and give you all the ins and outs. Because in my eyes, and I'm assuming that Renee agrees with me, the one thing that sticks out is the fact that, hmm, NASCAR is talking about controlling costs. And the fact that most people are not talking about it, but the Monster Energy. Sponsorship deal is up in 2018 after the season. They have not talked about renewing. 2019 could be interesting. And one thing that happened, and I don't know if anybody cares, but you know, I try to keep up with the business of motorsports in general. It's just kind of ironic that ESPN dropped NASCAR from their coverage, right? And then now, Formula One is going to be on ESPN. So it definitely wasn't a money thing. I mean, I'm not saying it 100% wasn't a money thing, but the fact that they still picked up motorsports should tell you something. Also, just going a little more technical, IndyCar had 300,000 people at the Indy 500 this year. They had 350,000 last year. Attendance seems to be up with IndyCar, but it's down with NASCAR. Now, according to Denny Hamlin, because he's been raising a ruckus about NASCAR rethinking their revenue sharing, there's some money being got by NASCAR from these TV deals. You can take that with a grain of salt. You can look into it. But On the flip side of all that, there are sponsors that are getting out to sport every day. The fact that Kyle Larson is a winner and Target was like, see ya, wouldn't want to be you. That's crazy. You would think sponsors would be like throwing their product at his feet, especially a company like Target. But yeah, you're right. They're like, hey, 
see you on the flip side, sucker. Yeah, well, we'll see how that all plays out. It'll be interesting to see who will be his new primary sponsor. Hendrick Motorsports clearly doesn't have too many issues with sponsorship because they already unveiled their paint schemes for 2018. Yeah. It's just crazy. Let's jump into our fan comment of the week. And guess what? Our fan comment of the week has to do with Hendrix. That's why I transitioned so so smoothly. We posed this question during our NASCAR talk, our hashtag NASCAR talk, which is our Twitter party on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12 noon specific standard time. Question was very simple. Hendrick Motorsports unveiled their 2018 paint schemes. Which of the two new young drivers will win a cup race first and why? Who do you think will win a cup race out of William Byron and Alex Bowman first next year? Well, if you're asking me specifically, Tam, I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. Okay, so you're going to go with Alex Bowman. Guess what? I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman got 65% of the vote. And William Byron got 35% of the vote. And fans had a lot to say. Greg Clark, user G Clark tweets too. He said, hey, gotta sit this one out. I know next to nothing about these dudes. I read that one first because that one's an interesting comment and I'll circle back to that one. Let's see. Patrick R. Drone, and that's Drone with no E. It's a user at Patrick D-R-O-N-78. He's actually down in London. I like chatting with him each week on the NASCAR Twitter party that we throw because he's, you know, he has some great comments. It's great to see someone else's opinion from another country on the sport. NASCAR is not quite Formula One where it's global. Not that there aren't fans in other countries, but it's nowhere near Formula One. But nonetheless, Patrick said Bowman possibly because he's ran in cup before. Byron's first race, I believe, will be the Daytona 500, and that won't be easy for him. We know Daytona's not easy for anybody. And let's see. Michelle Cision, user at Shell, C-H-E-L-L-E, Bean, 316. She says Alex B. Racing, as in Alex Bowman, has cup experience and has faced more adversity. So I think he wins first. But Willie B., as in William Byron, will be successful too. Jason Rogers, user at Rogers underscore nine, he chimed in and said, I voted for Bowman. Byron probably has the most potential, but it said a lot about Alex when he jumped in an Xfinity car and won Saturday. So I'm going to leave that as our last comment because I want to talk about, how about that Bowman? Like Alex yeah. really just jumped in the Xfinity car and drove that sucker to a first place finish. Yeah, he sure did. And as we tweeted, he went from the simulator to the track and won. That's that's crazy. That's impressive, actually. So. You know what I think it is, Tam, more than anything? I, I think part of it is a mental state where he is he has already driven a race in the Cup Series. And I think when he finds himself doing Xfinity, I think it's to himself that he's trying to prove a point of, you know what, 
I'm going to go out here and win this Xfinity, and I'm going to show people I belong in the NASCAR Cup Series. I think it's just his way of proving a point, not just to himself, but to, you know, maybe a little fan base that he has. He's got a great fan base already, but I think it's just a, a point prover that he's trying to do. Point noted. Now, you talked about fan base. I got a feeling all of the Dell Jr. fans aren't going to cross over to him. Right. I just have a hunch because let's face it, Dell has earned a lot of fans on his own, but a lot of his fans are diehard NASCAR people. I mean, this is the way of life for them. And I I really see the shift for those people going to another veteran driver, and if not, Kyle Larson. People love that Kyle Larson. I mean, Kyle Larson is a racer. I just don't see Dell Jr. Fans supporting Alex Bowman the way I think they probably should. Because I think Alex is going to prove everybody wrong. He's going to prove the naysayers wrong. I, I, You know what? I'm going to, hopefully we'll remember this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Alex Bowman will win his first cup race next year within the first 10 races. Wow, man. That's pretty impressive there, Tim. Okay. Hopefully somebody will remember that I said this, but <laughs> you, you heard it here first, folks. That is my prediction and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> On that note, Renee, it is time for your favorite part of the show. It is time for some predictions. It's time for Tim and Renee's race predictions. Renee is going to tell you exactly where we're going to be in Talladega, baby. Okay, Renee. He learned <laughs> his lesson. That's right. Episodes later, and you know what? I've actually been doing really good about picking winners and and and, and dark horses, but really more winners than the dark horse. But I am going to uh, say this, and I am going to say that Kyle Larson is going to win at Talladega. I feel it in my bones. I like to go on feeling. I like to go on vibe, and I got the vibe and the feeling. Kyle Larson is going to be your winner at Talladega. Now, my dark horse. I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson because I really want this guy to win. This is my dude. I know he's trying to get that eighth trophy, but I'm going to pick JJ as my as my dark horse. And those are my those are my predictions I'm sticking to. Wow. I didn't see that one coming, but okay. Next week when you don't win, I'm going to say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Renee, I'm going to keep it simple this week. I feel like Talladega is so unpredictable. I'm going to give you a cliff note of the history lesson and surely all you guys know what cliff notes are i hope but that's basically an abbreviation of the real story at hand talladega is just too unpredictable for me to even waste any breath explaining to you guys who came in what place in what year i will tell you a few brief things and a few notables such as some patterns that i see first and foremost we race twice a year at talladega once in may and once in october Dale Jr. is a winner. He's more than a winner. He's a superhero. He's a chicken dinner at Talladega. How about that? He has won so many times between 2001 and 2004. But guess what? It's 2017. And between 2001 and 2003, he won four cup races back to back. And he also won one, one Xfinity race. Logano, a name that, I, you know, I just still... It's mind-boggling to me that Logano didn't make the playoffs this year. But 
with that being said, Logano actually won the Talladega race in October 2015, as well as October 2016. He is not my pick to three-peat in October 2017, but I thought you guys would want to know that he has won the past two October races at Talladega. Stenhouse Jr. won the race in May, which I was actually at that race, and I was hanging out with the Ford Performance team, and I helped but I didn't really do any labor because I told them I don't do too much labor. But I helped Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s team put together the pit box before the race, which was pretty cool. Now, people keep thinking, oh, because Stenhouse has won on the restrictor plate that he's going to be the end all to the be all. I don't feel the same way because as we all know, restrictor plate racing it's either you have a fast car and you're in front and you stay out of all the ruckus or you are caught in the ruckus. There's no scientific anything to Talladega or Daytona for that matter. It pretty much is based on luck and based on how your car is. So you can stay in the front of the pack and not be caught up in the mix. So on that note, to me, Stenhouse Jr. is not, he's not a favorite. He's not my favorite. I am actually going to go with, I want to go with Dale, but I'm going to leave Dale Jr. as my dark, dark horse, just because I'm feeling sentimental. But he's not my dark horse, he's my dark, dark horse. I'm feeling like Denny Hamlin is about to push through on you, and I'm going to pick him as my winner. And I'm feeling like Bad Brad has something to prove. And I, you know, I'm not really a huge fan of Brad Kozlowski at a restrictor place track, but I think that he is riding that bubble on the playoffs and I feel like he's going to do something. That's so funny because not speaking of Brad, just that your picks were interesting because I thought at one point Kozlowski seemed like this could be an opportunity for him to like really just come out of nowhere and uh, possibly look really good, like maybe possibly almost win this race or be up there. But I really, I really felt like I wanted to go with Denny Hamlin. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go with exactly how I feel, and and I that's why I went with Kyle Larson. But the fact that I was even thinking of Denny Hamlin, and then you picked Denny Hamlin, I was like, all right, okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if Denny Hamlin wins this race. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, friends. And friends, I don't know. <laughs> Those are <laughs> our picks. Yeah, you man. Tell us who you got. Yeah, please do so on our social media. You can hit us across the board at Turns No Breaks. You can find us on the Twitter. You can hit us up on Instagram and follow us on Facebook. If you know anybody that would love to hear our podcast, please take them to iTunes. You can find us on iTunes. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us. We would really appreciate it. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, be kind to each other. Take a few moments, set aside to yourself, call a friend, call a family member, hug somebody, tell them you love them, be kind to each other, and we will see you here next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 